from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, June 16th, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Hey, building a, a site with Squarespace is easy. It's a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse, and you can use one of their best-in-class, award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plug-in. You can even get a free domain included when you sign up for a year. And they have amazing commerce tools if you want to do some uh, e-commerce and make that money, money, y'all. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I'm so... I am a, I'm a, a longtime Squarespace <laughs> fan. In fact, I found out this week because I was uh, upgrading our, our plan for the old RollingMediaGroup.com. Yeah. We have too many pages because we have too many job listings. I had, right. I had to like upgrade the plan. Um, that we have been... A, I've been a customer since 2008. Wow. wow! Look at that. OG. OG Squarespace user here, folks. And when I was uh, upgrading, it uh, showed me the last generation of our website. I'm glad we uh, we've upgraded. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> I forgot how ugly our site used to be. So yeah. Um, uh, you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase, which also I forgot to do when I was uh, oh, signing man. up for a new plan. I, I, I forgot the 10% off. <laughs> but that is it. Hey, if you, if, if you want to make that money, money, if you just want a nice looking, like we'll just say you just want a website for yourself, yeah. just a profile yeah. to put out into the world so people know you, whatever you need, you know, you can set it up easily with Squarespace and get that 10% off. Because yep. you need that money, money. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Squarespace, <laughs> set your website apart. Well, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. And this week's show is going to be a little different. Uh, normally here in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Hat Caulfields is here. He's off on assignment this week. His assignment uh-huh. being a family vacation. <laughs> so yeah, he'll be back assignment. next week. Uh, also here, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang, who turns 30 today. Yep. We, we will uh, come back to that in a moment. <laughs> wow, and lordy, on the, lordy. On the Skype line from Loveland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us, uh, guest cast member uh, for the week, Tyler Huckabee from Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, everybody. So so there's two things we got to get to. And I just want to start things off by saying it may take me a minute to ramp up. Okay. I had to I had to fake the energy to start the show off. You sound like you're in a oh, funk. Man. And you know what teed me off that something was wrong? When you told us earlier that you picked out the intro song, it was Had a Bad Day, the American Idol send-off song from 10 years ago. Yeah, I, uh, it's also the song that they're laying the magic play when you walk to your car after a loss. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It cleared me off when, when, when he's like, Chandler, I got the intro song. Let's go ahead and tee that up. That was David Powder, Had a Bad Day. I, I, I walked into the office. We're recording this at an unusual time. First thing in the morning, I walk into the office this morning, get my cup of coffee, look to my left our break room is completely empty now we are we are moving offices soon uh, in about a month or so or a little less than a month no about a month <laughs> we're moving and so to get ready for moving we're packing things up and and and, and a couple of the guys on staff are just you know they're working on the storage unit and things yeah. like that and we're selling a few things uh not much but we're upgrading some of the furniture and things some of the desks i should say i look to my okay. left in our break room 
uh, there's this really cool vintage circular table, like 1965, and there are four kind of walnut and black uh, mid-century modern chairs, 1960 chairs that I own. They're my chairs. I just loaned yeah. them to the office. I look to my left. The chairs are gone. I asked Jess, our office manager, hey, what happened to the break room chairs? Oh, uh, Noah sold them yesterday while you were out of town. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, what? No. Uh, Noah, why did you sell my chairs? Yeah. Oh, you, you told me to. I absolutely did not tell you to sell my personal chairs. You... And then I had to walk into the studio to record this podcast. So I'm still, still okay, working so through the emotions of, of what I just experienced. Oh, that like just happened this morning. Dude, it happened like four minutes ago. Like, Can I ask two quick questions? Don't because, Your charisma does sound a little hollow this morning. I wonder. Yeah. Okay, I need two. I need the two quick questions. Is in the chair's place? Was there an open suitcase full of cash, or like a briefcase full of cash? That was my and first question. Was qu- Noah standing in the corner with his arms crossed, like very proud of himself? No, and that's question number one. Question two is he is selling other random office things yes. for preparing for the move and, yes. and just so some for some reason presume that your personal chairs were also part of this money-making venture that he's striking out. I, here's the deal. Like he's been selling things, which we need because we have 15 yeah. years of various equipment, different things. And, and he's looking online. He's looking on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. He's seeing what the things are going for in the, after, in the used market. And he's listing it for a comparable price and he's yeah. moving forward. How did you value my chairs? <laughs> right. There aren't comparables. Yeah. I mean, like, what'd you sell them for? I don't even know. Cause I'm like, get, I literally told him, I was like, please get my chairs back. Like, please call whoever you sold them to and tell them you made a mistake and you sold okay. somebody's personal property. Now, wait, here's, here's a question. Here's a question. What price would he come back to you with where you would be like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, impressive. Before you get into that, I need to, uh, I need to come clean here. I called Noah while you were gone, and I heard that some things were being auctioned, and I knew those chairs were going to bring a pretty penny. Like, I knew, you know, that could really help us for the new office, get some swag. But I said, you know what, Noah, we need to think. I'm, here's the thing, guys. I think outside the box. If you read our magazine, you yeah. know my contributions. I'm always thinking, yeah. you know. I off center. Like I don't anybody can do anybody can blist a chair and do a monetary transaction. I'm looking for a trade. And I said, here's here's your options. I either want here's here's the only things we're gonna get in exchange for that. We are going to get either a Civil War era musket, which would be real cool. <laughs> always want to fire one of those bad boys. Yeah. Um uh, some uh, I, I learned on Pawn Stars anything uh, older than 1880, you don't have to have a gun license for. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I want I want an off the book Civil War musket. Yeah. I said if you can get those for the chairs, get it. I watch a lot of Pawn Stars. I know the value. Trust me, <laughs> it's an upgrade. Okay. So you're going I, that thing of trying to flip it. You start with something cheap and you exactly, trade, trade, exactly. trade all the way up uh, yeah, to a I car. Want, I want something. My goal is to make those chairs into something that could belong in the, the Smithsonian. So yeah, I'm talking Civil War era musket. I said various uh, uh, types, very specific pieces of sports memorabilia. It's not worth getting into them uh, because none of them he was able to get. Uh, yeah. He was not able uh, to get in a, a Muhammad Ali boxing glove. So it was basically a failure on his part. Yeah. But I, I what I secured in place of those shares, which is going to be very hard to get in re- to see the switch back, is someone to offer us. They're off the book services 
of any type of favor that we need done, no questions asked. Anything. Okay? How do you put a price on that? Yeah, exactly. How do you put a price on that? How do you put a price on my vintage shares that you didn't ask if you could sell them? I don't know these, the answer to these questions, Jesse. Uh, but Kara, we have basically a criminal at our disposal right now. A deal's a deal. Anything we want done, this man will do. Anything. It's a, he's that Jamie Foxx character from that, uh, from that yeah, Bad Bosses movie. Bosses. Yeah. Well, okay, and here's the other scenario that I think is very plausible. The people who got the steal on these chairs, because I did, I mean, in our real talk, Noah sold them for almost nothing. It was a terrible deal. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. a terrible deal. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. I, he actually took yeah, quite a bit of loss. He paid someone to get him out of there. So, <laughs> I mean, you took quite a loss on those. But the first, there's no way the person's giving them back. But here's what I'm going to offer, because I've always wanted to be a part of a heist. And if you can give me a vehicle outfitted with, like, one of those cool satellites where I can spy on people's conversations. Like, we're going to need to get, we're going to need to get, a, here, Cameron, if you want these shares back, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need a van uh-huh. that we're going to need to gut. And we're yeah. going to put a lot of cool equipment in, and we're going to need to paint like a florist truck. <laughs> well, okay? we, can, we can gut it because we got chairs that we can just stick in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we're going to need a gutted van painted like a florist truck. I'm going to need lots of surveillance equipment. I'm going to need ropes, and I'm going to need like a cool black outfit with one of those little beanies, like the Edge <laughs> from U2 wears. Yeah. And I'm going to assemble a, a team, and we're going to go on a heist. Who's in right now? Operation... Sit down. It's Literally, I think you back. are reenacting the movie Horrible Bosses. I mean, like, <laughs> and I think that that actually happened at one point. Anyway. Also, the impression that we had a new criminal at our disposal who could handle all this for us, <laughs> right. so that you wouldn't need a florist truck to do all this. Well, I kind of want to be the driver. He's going to do the most boring job, which is driver. You know. <laughs> well, we have again. I'm 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 going to ramp up. I'm going to get past this. Uh, it's just you know, it's at the front of mind right now. So f- forgive me if it takes me a few minutes. We do have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, David Crowder joins us. He's doing one of those uh, segments uh, that we enjoy the songs that changed my life. So he's going to talk yeah. us through four or five songs that were pivotal uh, in his journey as a, as a musician. Um, and then also J- uh, Shauna Nequist joins us. Uh, she is interviewing Amanda Sudano of Johnny Swim. Uh, yeah. And we're going to hear a bunch of their new album in that segment as well. It's going to be a great conversation. Um, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, though, today, literally today, June 16th, is a huge day because 30 <laughs> yeah. years ago, our yeah. illustrious producer was born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My my little brother is a full grown adult, and yep. I, I couldn't be more proud of him. Been full grown adult for about nine years now, so that's true. It's, it's, uh, I was wondering, people. guys, Jesse and Tyler, you guys. No, I don't know if Tyler, you are. But are you on the other side of thirty? Tyler? I'm. Uh, I, yeah, I'm thirty one years old. There you go, Jesse. Oh, wow. You're you're on the other side of thirty. I was yeah. wondering if you guys, because it's a little fresher for you guys. <laughs> I was wondering uh-huh. if you guys had any <laughs> advice for Chandler yeah. to kind of make the most, not only of this year, but specifically of this day. Um, is there anything he should definitely know about <laughs> any sage wisdom that you guys can provide? He's in uncharted well, territory right now. That's right. Here, you know, Chandler, I looked in the, the day I turned 30, I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Bible believing man. You know, when Jesus was this age, he was already well on his way to becoming the most important man in the universe, yeah. like in history. Mm-hmm. I right now put my, uh, I put on two different shoes this morning. It was very <laughs> depressing. Like it set me up because I was like, I have till 33. Like if I'm a, if I'm a real Christian, I have till 33 that I can really prove to make an impact on my 33rd birthday. Um, 
I, uh, I, I forgot to brush my teeth and I drank uh, sour milk and then I, uh, I was in a fender bell. It was a hit and run. I, I was in a fender bender and just peeled out of there and I knew that I had dropped the ball. So just know that you're setting yourself up for failure if you compare yourself to Jesus today. It was a huge mistake on my part. That's true because he did more in those two years or, you know, two or three years than, you know, most people do in a lifetime. Yep. And then yeah. he died. So, there's that Chandler, but, <laughs> yeah. but in general, you went on a blaze of glory. We like to really say. good three true. years, and then yeah. and then not so good. Yeah, I accidentally uh, stole a tank of gas on my thirty second birthday. I filled up and just got out of there. I didn't realize till later. I never paid for that, so I'm you know it's I, I was not on a good streak those couple of years. So I, hopefully you're doing better. No. On 30, 31, I sold some of Cameron's furniture from his home. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what was weird, Chandler? Because I sold a family portrait of of, of your whole family uh, from 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 your parents' house uh, at thirty one and a half. Uh, got almost nothing for it, and uh, your dad was angry. But you know, I just I was on a cold streak for those years. So I hope your go. I hope yours go better. We do have a do you do you remember Chandler? Do you remember that family portrait that or not family portrait, but the portrait of me, you, and the dog from when you were like two? And that lady who does watercolors did I mean, it as like a as a wait, gift. She painted Whoa. it. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember seeing it. I don't remember yeah. it happening. But I, uh, yeah, I you're a, a, you're a you child. looked like yourself. I looked. Nothing you like, look like a large forehead <laughs> with little toddler legs. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not very accurate. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold you on, look, hold on. Yeah. So you had okay. I just want to back this up for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You had so your parents had someone come take a family portrait. No, no, they no. handed the portrait to a watercolor artist no, no, who no, transformed no. it into no. a painting. No, 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 no. This is what happened. Uh, Chandler was born. It was a momentous <laughs> occasion. Uh, our, thirty years ago, uh, thirty years ago today, and one of the ladies in church who who deems herself an artist uh, about a year after he was born decided she wanted to give the family a, a, a gift for his so birth, a blessing, a blessing. A blessing <laughs> and wanted to do a portrait of those sons. And so I remember having this pose, uh, you sat for listen, it. we dressed up and, uh, uh, Chandler was maybe one, one and a half and he had a little romper, a little jumper yeah, on. Yeah, it was a romper. And, uh, yeah. and then we had a dog yeah. and I was, I was a teenager I was like 14, 13, 12, I don't know. And um, and we had to sit on the stairs and hold still, and she sketched us. And then a month or two or three later, she revealed the gift, the watercolor <laughs> portrait of the sons. Yeah. And literally, I looked fairly like It was like, pretty accurate for you. You know, I think she paid more attention because yeah. I was bigger. Yeah. And, uh, and with you, the it was just like, like a, a the little kid. Yeah. And it was also like, you know, like uh, the men who have the receding hairline to like all the way back, the forehead goes all the way to the middle of the head. And then like the hair then totally is full after that. Yeah. Um, that's what his hairline was. Yeah, yeah. And it was, he had this big old egg head and then like little baby body. It was just the strangest proportions. You, you know, you know what happened is she and said, it hung you probably, guys are sitting there and on hung probably in our home, and uh, probably to time. this day. Yeah. It I might mean, be yeah. there still. I have yeah. no idea. He, you know what happened? She was sitting there. You guys are sitting on the stairs and she's like, you know, sketching away and you just see her look at her watch like, Oh, you know, this is it's been a while. 
this blessing. And, and she's this like, blessing, uh, this blessing's uh, taking a while. Take a longer yeah, time. she's like, listen, guys, uh, we're gonna have to wrap up here. And you're like, your mom looks over her shoulder and is like, but you only have Cameron and the dog there. You don't need to do challenge. She's like, no, I'm just gonna get free handed. I'm just gonna do that from memory. It's, I mean, I, I think I got, I got what I need. I mean, she can do fine. a toddler body, easy yeah. breezy, and yeah. I'll just, I got the face. I, no, I no, I'll do this. This one's from memory. Yeah, no big deal. And that thing seriously haunted us because uh, I think it was on this on the hallway going yeah, up like to right. our rooms. Well, it was right in the foyer, like right when you walked into our parents' house. That's, That's right. One of the first things you'd, you'd see. Well, it was a nice gift. Yeah, well, they received a blessing is what happened. They, they, they did. They wanted to bless all the family, all the guests who entered the home with it as well. Yeah. 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 And so that's how blessings work. You know what would be great is if we change. reenacted that and had her do, do it again. One. Like do it do it 30 years later. That would be her first blessing since then. Hey, but, but in order for that to happen, I think you guys need to sit on those chairs. And you know what? Hey, Chandler, you know the irony of this whole chair thing? You know the irony? I can't want me to tell you this, but you know what? Really the insult to injury here? Yeah. Those chairs were your 30th there were these I mean, awesome <laughs> madmen 1960 authentic <laughs> mid-century modern chairs yeah um clearly you never sell something like this you yeah. pass them you pass them down yeah and yeah. um that was your gift. So, yeah. if, you know, hopefully uh, you can get a, a good high screw together because otherwise you're never seeing those bad boys again. Yeah. And like I said, actually, you actually owe Noah money because he paid to get them out of the office. So not only are you not getting a gift this year, but you owe him like 40 bucks because they hauled them out. Took a lot of room in the trash trailer. So, you know what I did uh, for Chandler's birthday? I took him uh, down to Miami. We saw Chance the Rapper this week. That's right. That's why we're uh, recording at a weird time because yeah, we, uh, yeah. we had to push it back because we went and saw Chance. Because that's what you do when you're in your 30s and 40s. You take off in the middle of the week, you drive all the way to Miami, and you <laughs> hang out with a bunch of teenagers all night. <laughs> yeah. The crowd was remarkably young. 80% teenagers. I couldn't believe wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Shockingly young. I mean, yeah. I go to all the music festivals. I, I go to a lot of shows. And and I'm always the adult in the room. I was by far the oldest person there. Yeah. I now mean, <laughs> now when I saw him in Omaha, my my mom Nancy Huckabee is a big Chance the Rapper fan. She really loves him, so she came along with me to the Omaha show. And, Your mother uh, and she came was with you to Chance the like, Rapper. She raved. My my mother does not like rap music. She doesn't even like taking chances, but she does love. I mean, I think she, you know he's a great rapper for moms. Right. <laughs> He sings how great is our God. Like she, lo- she loves all that. So she really wanted to go. It's like kind of gospel, you know? Yeah, I think it's, so. It it's it's vaguely gospel. And, yeah. He opened and closed and we had church, man. The opener and closer oh, yeah. were like straight up. People had hands up worshiping. I mean, it wasn't like ironic or whatever. It was like serious. And then in the middle of the show, it was just kind of like, you know, a little bit of his catalog, but yeah. he was very intentional to open it and close it with an incredibly uh, God focused, you know, kind of set. It was, it was very cool. It was very cool to see. Yeah, super good. I'm going to see him at Lollapalooza later this summer. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it's different in that kind of a setting. Uh, it, he sold out the American Airlines Arena in Miami. So it was probably what, uh, you know, you chop it in half for a concert, but the floor, so 15,000 people, give or take. Yeah. I mean, it was to the rafters. And I, so, but Lala, he's going to play in front of 75,000 people. So it'll be, it'll just be interesting to see yeah, how the show is different. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move the show along. It is time for our look back at what happened this Wait, week. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I have a confession to make uh-huh. before we move this thing along. Yeah. I was the one who struck the deal for the chairs. <laughs> and a deal's a deal, and I'm not giving them back. <laughs> they look great. They look great. I made Noah an offer. I, like I said, it was an interesting personal trade, which I will refuse to divulge. I, but I, it was some artwork that I made, and you're never getting those shirts. Some artwork. I, Happy I, birthday, Chandler. I, I, really, 
<laughs> Real life, I did just get a Slack message from our office manager saying she just heard him on the phone with the buyer, and hopefully this will be resolved by end of day. So, oh man. <laughs> That's yeah. a lie because I have not heard a word and I'm sitting <laughs> in the chair right now. I'm sitting there right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, it's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Uh, in Case You Missed It, the creator of Orange is the New Black, which is a very edgy show. We don't recommend it, but it's good. Uh, is making a show <laughs> about a teenage Jesus and it sounds like it could cause a stir shockingly. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter recently hosted a roundtable conversation with several high-profile TV producers, including Jinji Kohan, the mastermind behind the hit Netflix series. Uh, she said that her next project is so controversial that she actually had to get terrorism insurance on her office. I didn't uh, even know that was oh, a thing. Wow. Yeah, ne- neither did I. crazy. Yeah. Uh, she explained, uh, she's making a drama about the life of Jesus as a teenager that she described as, quote, like the Wonder Years but with Jesus. Uh, so oh, she didn't wow. too many other details about the plot. Uh, she said the new Netflix show has got some people nervous, adding, quote, uh, there are all sorts of things where we cross lines. There's no word yet on a release date. Oh, boy. Hmm. It's oh, almost, oh, I mean, it, it, the, the fact that you're talking about getting terrorism insurance and intentionally crossing lines, it, I mean, at, at this point, it, it's almost like she's just playing into the scandalous nature for promotional purposes. I, right. Here's here's my thing. When I heard about this, like, who's she making this for? Like, who's the fan base that a wants a period drama about teenage Jesus? Yeah. If it's going to cross lines and try to portray him as a normal teenager, blah blah blah. Like people who are believers, uh, faithful religious people, they aren't going to watch it. People who want to like take Jesus down because they're angry. They actually don't want to sit there and watch a whole series about teenage Jesus, to be honest with you. Like it's going to fall in the cracks. I yeah. think it's like she's trying to be controversial and it's just like there's no audience for this. That's yeah. How many times does one of these edgy remakes of a Bible story have to fail before people realize there's just not a market for this? Yeah. It just doesn't exist. People like to write them, but people don't like to watch them. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine who's you know binging on this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Lecrae dropped a new song featuring pop star Tori Kelly. Uh, on Instagram, he explained the single is inspired by loved ones fighting cancer. He wrote, life is a precious gift, a gift we often take for granted until it's threatened. Pain can be a haunting reminder to appreciate every waking moment. So we wrote a song to share our hope in the midst of that pain. At the time of this song's composition, some of our loved ones were battling cancer. We wanted to encourage them to hold on and tell them we are here waiting, hoping, praying, and fighting with them. Some have been released from their pain forever, and others are still fighting. Here's a clip of I'll Find You. No, just fight a little longer, my friend. It's all worth it in the end. But when you got nobody to turn to, just hold on and I'll find you. Tori Kelly is a um, strong Christian. I found yeah. out. I found out uh, because I uh, she goes to Judas Church, and oh, we were at church last time I was at church. She was there. Yeah, and, and she's like a big deal, right? I, I think she was nominated for uh, Best New Artist last year at the Grammys. Oh, like, wow. yeah, yeah, she's a That's big right. deal. 
Bigger. Good for Lecrae. But the, the, like, the, it's crazy that, you know, he is, I mean, what, what was, who, who was his last the collaboration with? The Ty one Dolla that you were, Yeah. Ty Dolla Sign. Yeah. Well, yeah like, and me. He, he's Ty Dolla Sign and Cameron Strang. You know? Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I really got to take this. I, I know this is rude. Hold on just one second. We, you can keep recording, Chandler. This will only take a second. I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, the chairs, they're still here. They're available. <laughs> Stupid. Hold on, hold on, hold on, guys, hang on one sec. So dumb. Exotic fish. Okay, I, hey, I'm very interested. <laughs> now, I don't have an aquarium, but if you could throw one in. Yeah, yeah, I have some. I have relevant memorabilia, no problem. Uh, absolutely available. All right, okay, um... Yeah, come on by. Come on by. It's, I think we got ourselves a deal. I can't wait to see this fish. Um, oh, my goodness. All right, thanks. Bye. Uh, sorry, guys. Where were we at? That was um, my mom. It's her birthday. So, um, anyway, In case you missed it, uh, this week, uh, Seattle pastor Eugene Cho took Jeremy Lin on a trip to Thailand uh, to learn about fighting sex slavery. The NBA star, who now plays for the Brooklyn Nets, recently reached out to Seattle's Quest Church pastor to learn about about how he could help Cho's organization one day's wages and fight human trafficking. The two traveled to Thailand to learn about the sex trade and efforts to save those involved with it. Uh, Cho passed, uh, posted photos of their trip on Instagram where he explained that he was taken back that Lin didn't want to just donate but wanted to see the problem firsthand. He wrote, We've been traveling throughout Thailand this past week and learning the various nuances, challenges, and complexities around girls' empowerment, patriarchy, poverty, trafficking, education, government, law enforcement, and the list goes on. Earlier this week, uh, we walked through one of the red light districts in Bangkok where on any given night, there are 10,000 sex workers. I've been here several times before, but it's still as heavy and painful. Many of these sex workers are from rural areas, the hill tribes, and migrants from neighboring countries. I'm deeply appreciative of Jeremy and his team for joining me this week. Can't wait to share more as I make my way back home. So it was an amazing thing. Go, go look on their Instagram. It was cool to see the photos and uh, see guys like Jeremy using their yeah. platform and their resources uh, for significant impact. It's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. All right. In case you missed it, Donald Glover, uh, not Danny Glover, um, is uh, he announced that he's retiring Childish Gambino. What if uh, Danny Glover made the just said just made that announcement just presumptuously <laughs> for Donald? Glover. Danny that Glover is retiring Childish Gambino <laughs> by force. Um, he's tired of the name confusion. <laughs> he's quote, "I'm getting too old for this." <laughs> <laughs> While performing at the Governor's Ball uh, Music Festival this weekend, the comedian slash rapper slash actor told fans that his music persona is done. He explained, uh, there's nothing worse than like a third sequel, like a third movie. And we're like, again, you know, I like it when something's good. And when it comes back and there's reason to come back, there's reason to do that. He also felt that uh, Childish Gambino was on the verge of losing its subversive nature that he's now channeled into Atlanta, the show Atlanta, which is awesome. Quote, he said, I feel like there's got to be a reason to do things. And I always had a reason to be punk. Being punk just always felt really good to me. And we always looked at Atlanta as a punk show. And I feel like the direction I would go with Childish Gambino wouldn't be punk anymore. As much as Redbone is a punk song because it's a gospel song that's on the radio. I'm like, there's only so far you can go before you're just the radio. Um, so there you go. Going out on a high note, kind of yeah, like Jesus yeah. did at 33. You know, just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, out. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> Let's play a clip. Here's here's uh, Charles King Buddha's new song. Yes, 
see that. That's good. I mean, yeah. once you made that, you don't need to make anything else. Just just focus on Atlanta and Star Wars. You're, you're good. He's like the busiest guy in the world, too. I would yeah. give up. I'd need to fix it. He's, maybe he's pulling a Bob Goff. Just give something up on a Thursday. Yep. <laughs> he yeah. just gave up an entire music career on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. <laughs> hey, in case you missed it, Sufjan Stevens, talking about giving up a music career, uh, joked <laughs> that he and Katy Perry were probably at the same Bible study. Uh, he took to Tumblr to express his thoughts about the new Katy Perry album in a post called All Respect, All Caps. And he wrote that in all caps. Specifically, he referenced the line in her single Deja Vu, which reads, Your words are like Chinese water torture. He compared the response to his own song, uh, Casimir Pulaski Day, writing, And y'all thought it was weird when I wrote Tuesday Night at the Bible Study. Seemingly referencing both he and Katy Perry's past, uh, Sufjan's a Christian and, um, you know, Katie grew up as a devout in, in a devout evangelical home and also performed as the Christian pop star, Katie Hudson. Yeah. Um, he continued quote, Katy Perry was probably at that same Bible study. We probably did some popcorn prayer together. I love this world. Obviously he's speaking metaphorically and his intention wasn't totally clear, but in the past he's expressed sin- sincere ma- admiration for pop stars like Miley Cyrus. He once wrote, you're the hottest cake in the pan. Don't ever grow old. Live brightly before your fire fades into total darkness, which is actually what I wrote on Chandler's birthday card. Um, <laughs> I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. I got to, someone wrote that in my yearbook one time. Cool. Live brightly before your fire fades into total darkness. Happy 30th. Your brother. And then I sketched him with a large forehead. I, I recently signed a, uh, a, a contract with someone for a transaction for some things I own. And it, that was part of the contract. I signed it you know a deal's a deal live brightly before your fire fades into total darkness so yeah i mean it's a good phrase you know by the way speaking of which guys i got a um cable guy coming in a little bit i might need to jump off and uh, take care of something with uh the the power company did i say power company cable someone's coming just don't worry about it but uh, i got a transaction i need to finish up so I, uh, you hear doorbell just let me do my thing in case you missed it, Martin Freeman is making a show about Adam, Eve, and the fall of mankind. Yet another biblically inspired TV show is in the works. Actor Martin Freeman, best known for his roles in the Lord of the Rings movies, the TV show Sherlock, and the original Office, the British one, is bringing the epic poem Paradise Lost to the screen. Though there isn't any word if he'll appear in the show, uh, Freeman will executive produce the series, which tells the story of Adam and Eve's expulsion from the Garden of Eden. Satan, Jesus, and uh, several angels also make appearances in the story. One of his production partners explained to Variety, uh, Paradise Lost is like a biblical game of thrones, transporting the reader into a world of political intrigue and incredible violence at stake the future of mankind. There's never been a better time for big, original, bold drama series, and Martin and I both feel incredibly inspired by the material. There you go. Man. That sounds a lot safer than The Orange is the New Black. I'm, I'm more interested <laughs> yeah. in that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, because if it gets crazy, I mean, it's like, you know, filling in the gaps in the in the biblical account. It's not like you're like drawn outside the lines just to be controversial. It, it yeah. probably got crazy, you know I mean? It was probably, yeah. yeah, because if you're writing about teenage Jesus, you're basically just speculating. Like right. that, 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 those those years aren't covered in the Bible, you know. But I mean, there, there's lots of you know writings about the fall of man. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, slices.
listening to Coin. The song is Boyfriend, which is my high school nickname. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you heard Finlay with Waste My Time, which is what most people told me after they called me. Um, <laughs> okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Waste My Time. That's what I said to a lot of people who responded to my chair ad. Like, don't, I said cool traits, not random junk you're trying to. I'm flipping those bad boys. Flipping them. <laughs> I'm in the chair flipping business now. <laughs> Literally, though, you didn't mean that metaphorically like you're going to sell them for something else or trade them. You just flip chairs and you need a nice sturdy mid-century ones. I would stay yeah, the exactly. Time. And I do it like in a fit of rage. Like if I'm watching something on TV that outrages me, I'm like, how dare you? And I flip a chair and it, it makes me feel a little and bit you're trying to It's be, inexpensive. And you're trying to be like those halftime shows, but you know, you got to work your way up. You're doing the JV game at a private school yeah, uh, halftime yeah. and then work your way up, hopefully to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, I throw clipboards and such, you know. Um, all right, so I, I'm going to do a twofer today. I hope that's okay um, because I had two stories that well, really struck one my fancy. Sli- we're one man down, so you filling in the gap for uh, Eddie Vacation Coffolds, I think <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, picking up the slack, picking up a slack as usual. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesse, before you get into slices, a uh, little behind the scenes action. Um, I uh, during the music break, I I ran to grab some water in the office. And I can tell already in the moments that it have transpired since the incident this morning that <laughs> Noah selling my chairs is now going to go down in staff folklore to the level of the intern that crashed my Vespa. Do you remember that? Oh, man, I remember I this. do remember it. <laughs> and, oh, and, no. and, and not a week after he crashed my Vespa, he vanished to Guatemala. Do you yeah. remember that? Well, because not only did he crash it, but he like the, the the funny thing about that is like you had a long talk with him about how good he was at riding the Vespa to make sure he could handle the Vespa. Yeah, he pulled out and immediately wrecked it. It wasn't I mean, like he was across town. No, no, no. Yeah, he literally didn't even didn't, make it didn't like talk, twenty yards from the office. Didn't, didn't he talk about how he had all this experience? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that was the thing. Vespas it was like all and, the cars were gone. People yeah. like the company car that we had at the time was like on a road trip to a convention and stuff. Um, and and the and he had to go to. FedEx and I was there and all I had that day was my Vespa and I was like you can use my Vespa I mean because he did, he rode bicycles right. he, he couldn't he didn't have a vehicle mm-hmm. so I was like you can take my Vespa to FedEx and, and I was like have you ridden a Vespa he goes oh yeah a bunch of times I was like so you're you're fine with it and, and then he comes back like a few minutes later I gave him the keys comes back and he's like hey I, I can't get it started and I'm like Oh no. oh no! Well, if you don't know how to start a Vespa, I don't know that you have the experience you might have said you did. Yeah. And so I just wanted to make sure again. Well, you know, you have to press this button and then turn the key, right? You know that kind of a thing. Right. And uh, and he's like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. And then again, I go back to my office. I'm working, and I'm telling you, it's not four minutes later. He stumbles in. I can see him walking down the hallway through the window in my office, and he's got this his ghostly white expression on his face. And he comes to my door, and he's got blood on his arms and legs. And he goes, "There was an incident." (laughs) And I run out there, and he goes, "It jumped on me! It jumped on me!" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "He was leaving the parking lot. He wanted to turn right, and uh, and there's two lanes that go you know right, and two lanes that go left on the road in front of our office. And there was a car coming." you know, down the road in the left lane, you know, so he tried to turn right to go into the right lane and he throttles it. Well, he's only ridden those 50 CC Vespas, the little weak ones where you got to punch it. I have 150 CC Vespa. So it's, and I told him this, he knew that it was a more powerful one and he punched it, lost control, sideswiped the car that was going the same direction and tumbled onto the ground and skid 300 feet. And so like, 
you know, like this poor lady is just driving along in her Honda Civic. All of a sudden, a guy smacks into her passenger window and then goes away. Like he just, you know, yeah. he's under the car. And um, and and then I think I had to pay five thousand dollars because oh, it was totaled man. and I didn't oh, have insurance on it. So that's crazy. And then literally a week later, he moved to Guatemala and we never heard from him again. So yeah. we don't know what happened. But <laughs> so it became folklore. Right. Well, you know, no matter how big a mistake we've made, there's a typo in the magazine or we missed a deadline or whatever. There's this saying. Well, at least I didn't wreck Cameron's Vespa. You know, <laughs> <laughs> how long? How long was it between the accident and to when he disappeared? Literally, to not, no kidding, no kidding. A week. Like he just came in like a couple days later. Is like, oh, by the way, I'm going on this missions thing to Guatemala, and we, nobody ever heard from him again. Cameron, I got to be honest. Was there a mission thing, or did you have him disappear by some <laughs> again? Again, speculation by John David and much of the staff is that maybe there's an, a connection between the fact that this guy wrecked Cameron's Vespa and then vanishes to Guatemala. So well, I'll it, say this: is, Here's, is that mission trip to Guatemala just like a metaphor that we're going to start using around the office now? Like, <laughs> Someone's about to get a mission trip to Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, we're downsizing. So, uh, guys, we're gonna. No, it's yeah. about to go on a mission. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. it's a, it's it's like it's like when a like a, a sick dog gets you know adopted by a family that lives on a big nice farm. We know where it went. Yeah. We know exactly where. Cameron, but I'll say this: Do you know what the beauty of doing a chair transaction like I've done, where I've I've contracted someone's no questions asked services, is if I need someone disappeared to Guatemala yeah. for any reasons. That's the beauty of no questions asked. Yeah, you got to go. That person will be sent to Guatemala and never heard again. And in in return, somebody got some really nice uh, chairs out of the deal. So it's a real win-win, except for the guy who's in Guatemala because he's not in a good place right now. But, uh, no, Guatemala you know. is lovely this time of year, I hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, okay, so I saw. Okay, I have a two for today because, like I said, I'm picking up Eddie Slack since he's not here, and you know, just what I do anyway. Um, and I uh, I saw this story about a, a a story that was going viral that I, I could see how it was happening to anyone. This isn't really like a news story, but it was just one of those like fun internet stories that was going viral. But I just loved it so much that I had to bring it. So uh, here's basically what happened: two best friends were hanging out recently, and uh, they were doing what you know dudes do they were just hanging out watching tv joking around and one of them is a new father and said that you know they were talking about his kids christening that was coming up like his christening ceremony you know big big reverent uh, important deal in the life of a kid and he told his buddy just jokingly offhandedly oh i you know me and my wife decided it'd be funny if the christening was a costume party uh, you know, just as an offhanded joke. And they started looking on the guy's iPad for funny costumes for the christening. Yeah. Again, the guy who's the father whose child is getting christened thought that his best friend would know that this was obviously a joke. So they, they joked around, looked at costumes. <laughs> And uh, he decided to think nothing nothing of it. A couple weeks later, his best friend texted him and said, Hey, I just found the perfect costume for the christening. Do you have a plastic sword I can borrow? Uh, at this point, the guy who, who he still thought his best friend was joking. Yeah, you know, like just keep the gag. Honestly, yeah, keep yeah, the gag exactly. going. It, it's yeah. an inside joke. We're joking about the christening. So uh, this past week, uh, the christening happening happened, and a lot of people there had cameras uh, as a man walked in dressed as a as a medieval knight. 
<laughs> so they're at a church, a church christening, which, you know, I guess maybe the guy's thinking was, hey, you know, christenings kind of have this kind of medieval type of feel. It would be hilarious if a knight, you know, if I if my costume was a knight. So all of a sudden people are in the christening and in walks a man in chainmail. And the, the, the best part of the knight costume is it doesn't cover his face. It's like one of those chainmail hoods because I feel like if you wear a knight costume and it has the cape covering your face, at least your your embarrassment is hidden and you could be anyone. And honestly, in that scenario, if it's an old enough church, you could just go stand in the corner and people will literally think you're a statue. Yeah, if it's old enough. Yeah, right. yeah, they'll think you're just a cool coat of arms in the corner. But the great part is like this night costume had like a red cape and like the chainmail mask, you know? And, and, and the thing is, like I, I've examined the costume online because like the worst case scenario, you show up to one of these events and you're accidentally in costume uh, is that like you can go to the bathroom and convert your costume into something else. Like let's say like you're a delivery man or if you're like Ron Swanson or uh, like a pop culture person, you can pretty much can easily convert the costume into street clothes. Like Cameron, what, what did you dress up for your last Halloween gala? Cause you throw a big Halloween gala every year. Uh, it was held. I rented a venue uh, called Herman's loan office uh, because in 1920 it was, a Herman, uh, a guy named Herman. It was his loan office, and now it's yeah. uh, it's a bar. Uh, I rented that out, and so I dressed up as Herman, the uh, <laughs> the money man from the 1920s. I had a suit, I had white, ta- you know, uh, long uh, coattail, uh, tuxedo, white jacket, <laughs> and dressed up in 1920s regalia, and then tr- and I printed up business cards and handed them out all evening, um, introduced myself as Herman, so and welcoming so, so, people but, to my but establishment. Worst case scenario, if you wore your Herman costume to an event. Yeah. And and you realize it's not a costume. I'm just party. fancy. You could, I'm just fancy. Yeah, you're just a fancy guy. I, I'm and Jack I Donaghy, like, yeah. who was getting uh, fitted for a tux, and uh, <laughs> Liz Lemon says, where, "Where are you going?" He goes, "It's after six p.m." Liz, what am I, a farmer? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that's the beauty of a lot of like contemporary Halloween costumes is you can pretty much assemble them, you know, with with normal looking clothes. But this guy, there's nothing he can do for the night costume yeah. because he has two options. One is to stay dressed up as a knight with like the the chainmail head hood and the cape, or it's to take off the chain. It's to to strip off all the night clothes as much as possible. Then you look like a real freak because you're wearing basically chainmail head to toe <laughs> with like a big cross on your chest with no cape. You just look like you're dressed really weird. <laughs> I feel like you just go all in on the night thing. But a lot of people at the christening ended up taking pictures of this poor guy, <laughs> and not one of them does he look like he's having fun or is in on the joke. <laughs> yeah, you gotta like, own it. You gotta act like you can't act like his body. You, you got to act like you're you're Lean having a great time. Lean into it. <laughs> Lean yeah. into it. Yeah. If, you, if you act embarrassed, it's over, man. I mean, but people how are vicious. Could you not. I mean, I don't care who, what kind of personality. If you're at a Christmas, people are dressed in suits here, and you're walking around as a knight. <laughs> would anyone on this podcast be able to have fun with that, or would you just be humiliated the whole time? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we think we've all done that where we've walked in. We've been like the overdressed one or the underdressed one. But you not got a medieval knight. Yeah. Well, I, mean, yeah, I agree with that. That's where I'm going with this. I believe this this was a plot line from Legally Blonde, was it not? When they were trying to haze uh, the new <laughs> oh, girl right. and she shows up to the the normal party uh, the, who they told her is a costume party and she dresses as a bunny and she shows up to and then, you know, obviously everybody makes fun of her. But she leaned into it. She owned it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yeah. That would be a really funny prank to play on an employee. 
Someone, you know, the, how about this? I, I got this is a great way to get revenge on Noah for doing what he's done. Yeah. This terrible <laughs> throw, thing. Throw a huge is, costume party to celebrate the move to a yeah, new office. Ex- exactly. Invite a ton of people there. And, and, and everyone knows it's not a costume party but Noah. And, you know, even have someone do like a double costume, like a real humiliating one, like an Adam and Eve kind of thing where he just shows up in a fig leaf and the whole <laughs> yeah. party's laughing That's at That's the him. key. The problem is he's he's an Adonis of a man. He is a he's a rugby playing college guy. Um, it, it would backfire on us. It wouldn't be embarrassing would at all. The opportunity. He would, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The girls would welcome the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's su- if he's such a big dude, why doesn't why doesn't he just go manhandle these chairs back? You know, that, I didn't I didn't know we were dealing with a type of. But okay, so in the heist situation, obviously I'm the brains and the looks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Right. I already got the driver. That's the that's the guy that owes me a favor. Right. Um. Uh. You know. So he's the muscle. He's I'm the, the good brains looking and muscle. The looks. That's right. Yeah. He's the John Cena of the operation. That's right. Okay. okay. <laughs> then I need a tech guy. I need a tech guy for the van too. He'd be uh, like a wisecracking, smart African American guy, like a cool black guy who just like yeah. super smart. Yeah. Yeah. And then I need a real little real guy sarcastic. who can do cool gymnast moves. That's right. To get through the ventilation system. <laughs> right. You know. That's right. You need you need your Catherine Zeta Jones and entrapment type person who can like spin on like do yoga moves underneath all the lasers. That's right. That's because exactly wherever right. these chairs reside now, they're definitely behind the most complicated laser maze you've ever seen. That's right. Are, <laughs> do laser mazes exist? I've always wondered this. And number number one, number two, <laughs> if they did exist, like in a museum, why yeah. does the museum haze its hallways so you can see the lasers? Because if they didn't have smoke machines going, you wouldn't be able to see the beams. Why not just make it a wall of laser? Like, why make it something that someone could conceivably dance Yeah, through? why crisscross it? Yeah. Yeah. I think just, it's just there to be, be like, if you real, if you deserve this, the chairs in this case, then you can get them. Like, they don't want to make it impossible. Well, they want to make it like an accomplishment. I mean, challenge. a basic security system from ADT is going to have a motion sensor you can put by your door. And if any movement happens in the room, it will go off. Why would the museum in a hallway where nobody's supposed to walk around choose lasers instead of just a basic 999 motion sensor? Here's my theory. Is board security guards. Like, there's guys that are hanging. Okay, because if you're a security guard at a museum, right? Every night is the freaking same thing. It's, like, yeah. talk about the most boring job in the world. You sit there and look at computer monitors and nothing ever happens. You know that the day something finally does happen, you, you know, you can, you can go down one or two way. You're alerted with a, a motion detector instantly. Call the police. Crisis over. Or you get to sit there and watch some dummy try to dance through laser beams on your little monitor. I mean, I feel like the cho- I feel like the reason is clear here. Yeah. You know. All right. So. You say you had a twofer. So normally yeah. I'd say, okay, Eddie, what do you have? But you're staying in for Eddie. So okay, Jesse, what would Eddie have had? Okay, so here's what Eddie would have had. It's a it's another potential outlaw hero that uh, someone sent me uh, on Twitter. Um, a, a man named Anthony Wayland. Um, he is a, uh, a resident in in uh, Connecticut, and he lives in a very like busy kind of urbanish 
area and is tired of people parking on the side. Like they're basically like they're parking in front of his place mm-hmm. and they're parking on both sides of the roads. It's in his mind, it's impassable. And he's complaining that the city isn't doing enough to enforce like all like the regular parking uh, laws that are already in place. Like you can't park in the same spot for more than five days. So he's been taking matters into his own hands. And I appreciate the gumption of this. Yeah, I like and the I kind think, of this guy's jib. I don't I even know what he did, but I just like it. I have lived, I have lived this frustration, and the it has been resolved. But for years, I had this exact frustration in front of my house. I live across from some baseball fields, and and people would park on both sides, and they would park on my where my house is, and then across. And a what essentially is as wide as a three lane road, but two way traffic has one lane in the middle, and literally you're going head on and playing chicken with cars if there's a baseball game going on. I mean, this is this is going on for years. Yeah. And finally, the city and, got involved, and no parking on one side of the street, and we were all thrilled. So, what, this is what, great. Well, let me ask you this: When the city decided no parking on one side of the road, what did they do? Uh, they well, I just in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, one day we woke up. There's no parking signs on the house side of the street. It was great. I don't know who did it. I guarantee you, it was like it took years to get city council to to do something about it. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I had other neighbors that were out there videoing it. I had neighbors that would go out there and try to direct traffic or put up like st- like no parking signs that they made themselves. I mean, it was like it it was a it was a fiasco. It was a fiasco. Well, so well, I'm and, curious Anthony what this can guy relate, did. because he went through the same thing. He's been calling the city. And he's like, look, these people are violent. Not only are you are you not only is this unsafe how it is, right. but like they're not you're not enforcing the law that's already on the books. So he did he took matters into his own hands. This is what the citizenry is meant to do. He went and bought red paint and painted the curbs bright red, which makes it illegal for people to park at. So problem parking problem solved, right? He painted the curbs red. Well, the 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 city found out. It took them a while, it took a while for the city to find out. Dude, I thought way. about that. I thought about yellow. Yeah, yellow is I, the I, one. yellow in Florida, but like cuz we have a fire hydrant down on the right. corner and the and the curb is yellow is and I literally thought about in the cloak of night going out there and painting it. He, this guy did it in broad daylight, and the neighbors were applauding him. This guy was a local hero. He was just doing it out there. The city found out, came back, and painted the curbs black, and he painted them back red again. Oh, yeah. I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> in the middle of the night one night, they uh, the baseball fields went out and hung big like billboard advertisements on the outfield fence, which faces my house. In the, in the yeah. dead of night, I went and took them down. <laughs> Did I didn't like to go back up. I didn't like them. Yeah, they went up the next day. But I mean, like, oh. I, I just I took them down again. But then finally, I was realizing this is a losing battle. So I just let them go. But See, I, did, I like this guy. I like I, I like this because I like the precedence that he's setting. Because if I want a traffic sign somewhere, yeah. I, I don't think I should have to petition my city council. I'm just going to put one up. Yeah. You know, like if I want to set up a crosswalk, if I want, you know, like if I'm just like, you know, in front of city hall, if it says don't walk on the grass, guess what? I'm part of the city. That's my portion of that. It's my grass. I'm taking the sign down. Yeah. I think that, you know, the whole way that we erect signs and, and that we give like basic, you know, like laws to, to how public property is managed is totally off. Like I don't need I don't need City Hall telling me what to do. This guy knows what's going on. Cameron, I think you need to do more outside of your house. I think if you want to redirect traffic or close a road, that's yeah. your legal right. <laughs> so 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 you Chandler, Chandler, this is what happens after you turn thirty. You you become a, you become an angry idiot about 
about government. <laughs> just shout about how they're not doing enough and I'll take it into my own hands. And you're making a big, bold, brave statement about painting a curb. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, and, and people know of listen podcasts years ago. I, I, I found it quite incredulous. There's a playground in between the baseball fields directly across my house and, and, and it closes at 10 p.m. It's clearly stated on the sign. And teenagers, sometimes middle schoolers, would hang out there after 10 p.m. doing who knows what. And I would sit on my porch and make it a point to like call them out and make them go home and respect. <laughs> oh, I, a flashlight on I remember. I remember this story. No, I, I mean, no, there are many of them. But um, I'm just saying, this is what you do after 30. You just you just want things yes. to be how you want them to be, yeah. and and <laughs> everybody. No, is you want them how they logically should be, and you realize that you are a citizen of a democracy. And I'm going to get my voice heard one way or the other. Maybe that's painting a curb. Maybe it's taking a petition to city council. Maybe it's placing some punk middle schooler under citizen's arrest. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> that's how democracy works. People. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Is Citizens Arrest a real thing? Because I, I would enjoy that. I know in Mayberry it was, but is it? Is I think it, it is. Is it? I'll look it up. Like, I'm curious and probably different in different towns, but right. I think... Here's the thing. Uh, here's what I think about Citizens Arrest. I mean, the police like, can't I'm be everywhere. Sure the police can't be everywhere. And if we're seeing a clear violation of the law, shouldn't we help the police out? We're just being here's good citizens. The, here, here's the thing about Citizens Arrest. I think if you're going to police someone under Citizens Arrest... <laughs> You better be right. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you also need to be built like a college rugby player. Uh, yeah. To, yeah. I think if there's like a, an obvious crime in progress, right. you, you know, citizens rest might be appropriate. You know, I don't know how you're going to enforce it. We're just going to tell them to sit there. But, you know, let's say that you have like, you know, for some reason carrying handcuffs, you're probably a psychopath. But if you're carrying handcuffs and you, and you, and you handcuff someone in the midst of a crime, I think they would give you a pass. But if you just, you know, are suspicious of someone, Someone, or if it's like a traffic violation or someone like cut you in line at the cell phone store, I don't think it's appropriate there. Well, I don't know? think cut in line. Do you, cell phone need, like, stores, do you need cause? Do you need like a proper cause? Like, can you, can we, can you citizens investigate somebody? Like, <laughs> can I get a citizen's warrant? Well, yeah. Or is <laughs> that just, house? is that just stalking though? If you're citizens investigating somebody, apparently a yeah. citizen's <laughs> arrest is any time that you, um, direct the police to arrest someone or, Hold someone well, for, the, for the police oh. to arrest. So hold like, somebody. So say someone stole someone's purse. Party? You stop them. You hold them until the cops get there. That's a citizen's arrest. So so I'm not doing that. <laughs> I I remember my uh, my mom. They they uh, their office used to be around the corner from where we are right now, and um, and it was like a more urban area. And uh, she was walking to her car. I was five or six years old. I remember this. She was walking to her car after work. And she came up in a purse snatcher, grabbed her purse, and ran off. Right? Oh wow! I didn't. Know she about this. she uh she ran after them. Oh yeah! And chased the guy down for three blocks. The guy was so freaked out that this thirty-something woman was like <laughs> gaining on him. He eventually, <laughs> after a couple blocks, drops the purse and just vanished. Oh, right? Wow. She of course files a little complete complaint because there's a police station like right there on Park Avenue, right on the corner. Yeah. And um, she told him what happened, and the policeman was so mad at her for chasing the man down. He's like, he could have had a gun. You could yeah. have gotten injured. You know, it's not worth it. Just let it go. And she's right. like, she has a strong justice bent as I do. Right. And she wasn't going to let this <laughs> whippersnapper get away with she was, it. She was after, this was after 30, I take it. No, right? like, clearly after 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, Chandler, I mean, like, she's there, take notes. Yeah. Ditching yeah. the heels and running after the purse snatcher <laughs> down the streets of Winter Park, Florida. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I don't know the, that we okay, would recommend that. There's, <laughs> uh, speaking of like a strong justice pin, this isn't part of the slice, but I read, I was reading about this um, comedian that basically this, these two comedians got into, or a comedian and a journalist got into a spat on uh, on the internet over something and the comedian literally challenged the guy to a duel in like the one country that's legal then <laughs> just wanting to take laws and matters into his own hands i'm not saying we should bring dueling back because that's pretty grisly but i think if police want to let you just settle it out kind of mano a mano figure out your own way i think that should be a i think a judge should should sentence someone or a judge should say you know to the to the victim to like the person who got their purse snatched to right. say, like, they can either go to jail for a year or pay the fine or whatever, or you can figure out some creative justice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the criminal, I feel like that's a bigger deterrent. Dude, yeah, I, would yeah, watch I, a, I would watch an A&E show called Creative Justice every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has to be within reason. Like, the judge has to agree to it. Yeah. But you get, like, you know, you're like, oh, this is, you know, I, I, I feel like, like I said, a, we, a lot less purse snatchings would happen yeah. if somebody you know found out that they were only allowed to eat mashed potatoes for every meal for three months you know what I mean like that's a terrible punishment I'd rather the jail but the law is the law now <laughs> creative justice they like fast forwards like a month and the guy, the guy is just violently ill and malnourished from eating nothing but mashed potatoes I'll tell this I'll say this he's never stealing a purse again <laughs> creative justice I like it alright what do you have Tyler Okay, well, uh, I, I have to wear those toe shoes for real. Please, no, anything. No, I don't want to wear those toe anymore. shoes to a wedding. Toe shoes to a wedding? No, please. It says my son's christening. I don't want to wear my the toe shoes. I'm yeah. gonna look real weird with shaved eyebrows. I'll just go to jail. <laughs> I'd rather do the jail, please. Please don't shave my eyebrows. Oh, please, I mean, oh, that's gonna look like a real weirdo. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Tyler? <laughs> anyway, so so apparently there uh, in in Paris, France, there are something like 150 miles of catacombs underneath Paris, where uh, we're back, obviously in the in the Middle Ages and before they uh, they buried the dead for a long time. They're still there. You can still go down and see a very limited part of these catacombs. You can you can tour them, and I don't think you're allowed to go very far, but. Two teenagers in Paris, they were 16 years old and 17 years old, your arch enemies, Jesse and Cameron, right. uh, they, they were part of a tour group, and it's not totally clear how they, they either got lost or, or slipped away, but they did, and they ended up being stuck down and lost in the catacombs with no light, no food, and no water. And for sit like three, six million skeletons, right? And six million skeletons, the dead, surrounded by the dead for three days. Wow. Three days they were down there until finally uh, the police and some rescue dogs were, were able to find them. And then they're okay. They were taken to the hospital. They were treated for hypothermia because it was very cold down there. But uh, but that, that I was not good at handling normal life when I was 16 and 17. Like, like <laughs> Like school was difficult, uh, and they they survived three days with no with no light in the pitch black, with no light, no food, no water for three days before being being rescued. And they were fortunate because there are stories of people who've gotten lost down there and have not been seen again. Wow, well, th that sounds like a total nightmare. But what's ir what's ironic is uh, on my the second episode of 
creative justice. Yeah. Two people that were trespassing in Cameron's yard yeah. got their sentence, and it was three days in the catacombs below Paris. Well, I, well, what happens? I made my own catacombs, and so I. Uh, but what, yeah, what you don't know about Florida is if you go ten feet down in the ground, you're gonna hit water. So yeah. it's kind of a like a long lazy river, like an underground lazy river. So they actually quite enjoyed it, and it backfired. But you know, you know. yeah, it doesn't say here how they got lost. Is this was one of these people Noah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our, our intern, uh, we call it Guatemala, but that's just what I named my underground yeah, Lazy River. Uh, we just made him go to Guatemala, quote unquote. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if he wants to get out, he has to dance his way through a very creative laser maze that Cameron's just <laughs> <laughs> on, on another episode of Creative Justice, uh, there's a guy who stole a car, and he either can take Grand Theft Auto, the felony, right. or... He can uh, make his only mode of transportation rollerblades for two years, but he has to take the same route that he normally did. So that means he's on the interstate in rollerblades every day. Just flying down the interstate on rollerblades. What would you do? I mean, it's creative justice. Like I said, this is meant to be a deterrent. This is for our pleasure. That's right. Although, am I going to have fun seeing this guy rollerblade down uh, the interstate during rush hour every morning? You betcha. I mean, the the point of of punishment is 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 behavior. It's to, to be a deterrent from breaking the law exactly. and to and to rehabilitate criminals to be upright upright citizens. If if you know being locked up in a jail for nine months where you get TV and and break time and you yeah. can work out and lose some weight isn't yeah. really a deterrent for you. Having to rollerblade down the interstate and look like a fool while really your life is in danger might be. I and you gotta get up. I mean, I mean, I don't know how long his commute is, but I mean, he's probably getting up like four hours early. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know what time he's getting home at night. It's not a very good quality of life. That's right. And you can't move. You can't move closer. That's the key. Yeah, no, so, no, 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 no. Yeah. The, the, the restrictions are clear. You Very take clear. your previous route and you rollerblade to work. Yeah. No exceptions. Well, and it's not, and you said every mode of transportation. So, I mean, That's it's right. like, he's got to get groceries on his rollerblades. He's got to, you know, go yeah, to I mean, his son's christening on his rollerblades. Yeah. Yeah. The, because a shopping cart is a mode of transportation. You can carry bags, but no cart. Right. So either you're carrying a dangerous amount of bags on rollerblades or you're making like six trips to the grocery six trips. store. You're going every day. I mean, it's really, it's really a deterrent is what yeah. we're saying. And that's what and I'm saying. No one would steal a car again. You know, if, there's if, a lot of talk about needing to reform the criminal justice system. I think we're onto something. Yeah. yeah. So it's creative justice and it's also a sweet reality TV show. Mark Burnett, if you're listening, hit us up. <laughs> All right. Now do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, David Crowder joins us. You're listening to our next guest, David Crowder. Going by Crowder. Uh, the song is Run, Devil Run. It's off his uh, new album, newish album, uh, American Prodigal. It's awesome. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Uh, are you hiring? Uh, do you know where to post uh, your job to find the best candidates? Finding great talent can be tough, and I can attest to that. We have a lot of openings right now at Relevant. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. 
Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. And I can tell you this, I've posted openings on ZipRecruiter and within the day got dozens of qualified candidates. It's uh, an awesome service. 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just uh, 24 hours. ZipRecruiter is great because you don't have to juggle emails or calls to the office. You just screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, relevant podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. David Crowder uh, was famously the frontman for the um, influential worship outfit, the David Crowder Band, which disbanded in 2012, RIP. Uh, more recently, he's been uh, venturing more into the Americana swamp music uh, genre uh, with his solo effort, Crowder. His latest album, American Prodigal, debuted at number... 12 on the Billboard Top 200 and number one on the Christian charts. Uh, Crowder recently joined us for our Songs That Changed My Life series, uh, walking us through the music and the stories behind it that have shaped him as an artist. Here is David Crowder's Songs That Changed His Life. One of the most formative moments that happened to me regarding music uh, and it helped me sh- it helped shape me probably in in a way that let me think about culture in general not just music in a, in a way that was different from my upbringing uh, here's the deal so when I was growing up uh, the music was a, a big part of what you heard around the Crowder household like uh, my dad loved music a lot of the highwaymen and like really and Waylon and the gang Elvis, I sell this often, like Willie, uh, uh, Elvis, um, the Gators, and Olivia Newton-John are pretty much what I think all of everything I've done in music can be traced back to them. But there was a moment when suddenly all music that was not of the church was banned from the household, like overnight. And we were, me and my brother were too young to understand what was happening. It was just like all of a sudden, nope. You don't have, there's no more Willie Nelson. Now it's like Don Francisco or the Imperials. Not a bad thing necessarily, but we missed, we missed uh, Elvis a lot. And here's the deal. I, so I was, a, I was quite a clever kid. And so I convinced my dad that Queen was a Christian band. Because <laughs> then it would be like, if they're a Christian band, then you could listen to them. And so another one bites the dust became like our our soccer team's like anthem and my dad was the coach and so he had bought into the whole thing and he would bring like a jam box that's uh what he would bring to play it on to the soccer field he'd bring the jam box to practice he'd bring it to the game day and you know he hit the he'd hit that cassette play and there's another one bites the dust player and clean it's a christian band so he thinks after we win we go to the Pizza Hut, or, you know, after the deal, he'd go to the jukebox, he'd hit up Queen, have a box of dust, and we would, you know, you know, sing along victoriously. Uh, and all the words, we didn't know words, you didn't have the internet to look them up, so all the words we were singing were wrong anyway, but it didn't matter. Uh, I thought the first line, Steve walks wearily down the street, I thought it was like, Steve walks really down the street. I was like, hey, Willie's back. Uh, that was, that's not the right words, but we sang very loud. And 
if we lost, same deal. He'd go to the jukebox and be like, we got him next week. Another one with Bison Press, that's our deal. And then we're sitting on a Sunday, Sunday night at First Baptist Church, Texarkana, Texas, where I grew up. And this traveling evangelist comes through speaking the ills of secular music and how it's warping the minds of the young children today. And would you know that the first song out of the gate as example to this and a perfect example of backward masking where we play the song backwards and their secret message is hidden. It's in there. It's another one by suggest. And my I could feel I could feel my dad's eyes and uh it just started exuding an energy that I thought was you know, I I I haven't prayed that hard in all of life. I was like, Jesus come now. Or like keep this guy talking all night long, and I knew I was in trouble when I got home, and it was going to be, it was going to be, it was going to be a rough night, you know. Second song that is probably uh, uh, had a lot of formative moments in my life is the next song that the evangelist played, and it was ACDC's Highway to Hell. And so I'm terrified about what's coming. My dad's already turned his class ring around, and I know it's about to. I'm about to like get a thump on my head, and it's gonna be like electricity shooting through my body. I will tell you this though: ACDC stopped me, and the fear right then. I was like. What is that? That is amazing. So, anyway, no one bites dust and ACDC's Highway to Hell helped me think outside the box of, I think, what uh, Miles had been given. That I feel like we got a critical mind and we can use it, and there's the discernment of the Holy Spirit, etc., and we can think critically about the stuff that's in front of us. Then I think probably an, another big one would be Radiohead Creep. I know that's not like the most artistic, of, but it was like a gateway drug. <laughs> I heard that, and I don't even, I didn't even, I just knew it sounded really sad. This is probably, this just hit me like in college, I guess, or yeah, yeah. I don't know when that is. I don't know what year that came out, but it feels like it's a college moment. I might have got there late. Because uh, it was off Pablo Honey, if I remember correctly, but it was that that little that electric guitar. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is amazing!" And also, it was just so melancholy. I wanted to, I wanted to cry and like rock out at the same time. And then it was like the gateway to Radiohead, which was a wonderful bit of life when that was discovered. And I can nail the last two in the same deal. Uh, there, there's, there's this uh, vocal only version of uh, um, David Lee Roth 
um, um, uh, uh, Running with the Devil. <laughs> it's like an isolated vocal track of just him because um, Van Halen actually sang like the the main lyrics, like the Running with the Devil. He was singing the chorus, but David Lee Roth was just doing yeah, yeah, wow, that kind of stuff. So it's like a whole track of that. And I mean, uh, everybody I know that knows me, I have forced this upon um, all my friends. It's like, if we're going to hang out, you're going to have to um, listen to this because it's, it's life altering. You know, uh, I found the simple life. One so simple, no. When I jumped out on that road, got no love. No love you'd call real Got nobody waiting at home After that, there was a, um, another song where it's David Bowie. It's another vocal-only deal. It's David Bowie and, um, and um, Queen, the Queen. They did that deal under pressure and collaborated. And there's a vocal-only and it's like a clinic and vocal production. It is amazing. The effects and just the clarity of the vocal. They don't have auto tune or anything back then. And you'll you'll weep. It's so slashed and torn. Why? Why? That was David Crowder. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, America Sudano joins Shauna Nequist. Listening to Locus Pocus. The song is My Girlfriend Won't Dance With Me. First world problems. <laughs> America Sudano is one half of the duo Johnny Swim uh, with her husband Abner Ramirez. Uh, on this excerpt from the Shauna Nequist podcast, uh, Amanda discusses their latest album and how faith inspires their music. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Shauna Nequist podcast yet, go do it. It's yeah. always phenomenal. Shauna is one of the best conversationalists and interviewers uh, out there. And it's a great listen every week. Um, I think they're about two-thirds of the way through their premiere season. Yeah. Um, go search it wherever you get podcasts, the Shauna Nequist podcast. The new episode of the show comes out on Monday, and that's the episode featuring uh, Amanda. So you're hearing a portion of that interview now, and make sure to tune in on Monday for the full conversation. It's, it's great. Here is Amanda. I'm sure along the tour backstage a million times, but I was trying to think of today who even gave me or, or recommended that I get diamonds. Yeah. Um, your first album. Yes. Or your first full length. Yeah. Um, 
and someone recommended to me and I love music, but okay. So my husband's a music musician yeah. and he'll go through like, um, he'll listen to 20 albums in 20 days. And I'm not like that. Like if, if I connect with something, I wear it out. And I'm the same way as you. <laughs> and it doesn't happen that often. Like there are things right. I'll listen to one time and be like, I experienced that. See you right. later. But yeah. <laughs> if it, if it connects with me, it's like a thing. And it's going to be the soundtrack for a whole season of my life. And to this day, if I listen to Diamonds, I picture where I was walking on the beach in South Haven, Michigan, over and over every morning, sand and the water and your voices and your words and the sound of your music kept me company during a very specific season of my life. And um, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you made such a beautiful thing and that, that you shared it with us and with me. That album moved me in such a profound way. And I'm sure you hear that from people all the time. I mean, I don't know, but every time it feels new, I've got tears in my eyes and I'm so thankful that it actually touched somebody. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know how it is. You, you you work on something and it is personal to you and you're you're trying to do the best and you're trying to you're trying to speak to what is in you to say and you hope that somebody connects with it and it doesn't just feel like, you know, just words. And so it's, you know, very profound to me that you love because because I love you and have loved you for so long that that makes me very happy. And slightly embarrassed, but mostly happy. Oh, well, and then um, Georgia Capond, mm-hmm. your next album was, I'd love for you to explain it in your own words, but it was yeah. an album about grief and love and loss. Tell, yeah. tell us, tell me about kind of the, the roots and the process of that album. Yeah, so and, you know, and I think Diamonds and Georgia Pond are really kind of tied in a way because Diamonds was this season of life. So we went through the season where my mom got diagnosed with stage four cancer. You know, a month later, she's you know she's or I guess maybe it was two months later, she's you know going through chemo. She's stable. They're like, okay, the prognosis is longer than four weeks. We're you know we're kind of okay. So we go home to see Abner's family, and while we're visiting Abner's family, his dad has a massive stroke and passes away a couple days later, and then. A couple months later, you know, my mom passes away. So we went through this season where it just felt like, you know, you couldn't get a break. You couldn't get your head above water enough to take a good deep breath. You know, it was one thing after another. And so Diamonds, we kind of wrote in that season and in kind of the immediate season after that, where a lot of it was, you know, the song Diamonds was like kind of speaking hope and strength to ourselves and and kind of the sadness, you know, of how relationship change when, when you go through a loss. Like there's, you know, certain people in our lives that the relationship just changed once my mom passed away. And, and we were kind of mourning that. And it was just, it was kind of its own thing. And then Georgia Capon was like a couple steps down the road. We were still dealing with the loss, but the legacy of what we were, you know, the legacy of our parents that we've lost and even the parents that, you know, are still on earth with us and the love that they had for each other and the love that we have for each other. Suddenly those things kind of came into perspective for us, I think a little bit more with Georgia Capon. So, so yeah, we, you know, and at that point we had a son, so it was kind of like even highlighted that much more, um, you know, the, the families we grew up with, but yeah, it's, it's really is, you know, I think you said it perfectly. It's about loss and grief, but it's about love and legacy at the same time, which, you know, I think those three things generally, you know, go and go hand in hand quite often. Well, I, I think even knowing that, that, that makes sense to me. I think um, Diamonds has a, um, and it's always weird to me when people talk to me about things that I have made as though they know about them, yeah. but I'm going to just right. do that to you right now. Um, <laughs> Please do. I, I apologize. apologize. Um, I love it. But uh, Diamonds has a, like a, an, an, a, an energy that's almost like 
almost aggressiveness. Like there's a, it's like, there's like a howl, there's a longing, there's an intensity and it feels very, very right this second, very, every cell in your body, very um, like a, a, a rubber band that's about stretched all the way till it's about to snap. Like there's, it, it feels wound really tight. And I think that makes something so evocative and intense and beautiful. And it makes sense to me that that's something that you would write in the middle Mm-hmm. of of these really tragic losses left and right that, that right. you would be kind of buzzing and brimming over with that intensity and it feels like it came out in that album and then I think Georgia Capon does have such a um, several steps down the road thinking about the long term thinking look reflecting back over mm-hmm. that season um, what do we know now what do we hold with us what have we released there it's um there's like an elegance and a depth that feels they feel really different, but they definitely feel like they happen. I, yeah. I, can, I can understand like like they're sisters or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a wine opened at one season and then a wine opened a couple of years later, maybe the same thing, but like in a different in a different time and space and a different maturity, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so what advice would you give, you know, to a young musician um, who's just starting out, who says this matters to me, but I don't know where to go. What, what practices, what ways of living, what skill sets, what, what advice would you give to a young, passionate musician who's just starting out their path? I think, and I kind of love this question too, because I don't know that I had, I don't know that I had a good answer for this from somebody else when I was kind of like first starting and having no idea what I was doing with my life. Um, But the first thing I would say just on a practical level is do whatever is in front of you to do. If all you have is a guitar and GarageBand on your computer, then write some songs and put it on GarageBand, you know? Um, If if there's just open mic nights that you can do, then do open mic nights, nights, you know? Whatever's at your hand because it's really not it's not up to you to, to develop the path for yourself, you know, the, and it's not up to somebody else to necessarily save you to, you, you know, you work for, you work for yourself, you become your biggest advocate, but also you just do what's in front of you to do. And don't, so, don't stress so much about where you want to be necessarily like have a goal in mind, but enjoy the process of what's in front of you to do. Just like we were, we were saying earlier, enjoy the, I think you said it way better. Um, oh, something about if you're not okay with the success or without the success, you won't be okay with Yes. And the, and the doing of it, the actual day to day doing of it, enjoy the day to day doing of it because at some point things will come together. I had no, I remember praying when I was, I was, I think I was 21 and I was, I would just sit there and pray every day. God, this feels like a mountain. I don't know how to climb. There is no path. I just see thickets. I just see like, I hear rumblings of tigers in the woods. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know how to climb this mountain. I feel completely unprepared for this. Even though I grew up in a family of musicians, it just felt like there's just no roadmap. I don't know what to do. And all those things work together. And it wasn't really up up for me to like know exactly what, what the path was going to be for me. My the, What was up to me is pray about it and keep walking forward step by step and it's okay for it to be step by step you know especially if you're enjoying the process so I think uh, I think do what's in front of you to do and as you're doing it enjoy doing it be able to realize that you know my mom said to me a couple years ago Adam and I were playing a show in this like tiny little you know maybe a hundred people 
and my parents, you know, it was, it was outside of New York and my parents had been in New York. So they were like, well, we'll just come with you. We'll drive you. We'll rent a car. Instead of you guys taking a train there, we'll just drive you up. We'll spend the day together and we'll come to the show. And we were kind of embarrassed because we we're like, well, mom, I mean, it's just like a hundred people. Like, I don't even really know who's going to be there. And like, I don't know what the, I don't, we don't even know what we're doing. Like maybe you guys stay here. We'll just go do it and come back. And she's like, no, you don't understand. These are the good old days. Like these are the days you're going to remember when you're, you know, schlepping to these little shows and you're playing for a couple people. Like you're going to love these days. I want to be there for that. And it kind of changed how we looked at a lot of those, uh, those little shows and the, the shows that, you know, we would call quote unquote bad shows, but they're great. You know, they're the memories. So, uh, so enjoy those because they do go by quickly and, and things always change. So well, and what a what a cool thing as a parent, right? It, you know, it would have been easy for someone who is as successful as she was to be like, you know, call me when you're in a sold out arena, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and why are you playing? Why are you guys not playing sold? Why are you playing these small places? Like skip ahead. And she was always like, no, 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 don't. It'll like good stuff is coming. I'm sure you guys are going to grow and get bigger. But these are wonderful days. What a meaningful perspective from her. I, I love that. Um, who are a couple of your key musical influences, either bands uh, or singers that you always go back to or albums that like this is the one that changed everything? What are a couple things that are kind of always in your head and in your heart? Yeah, so I think I think Bob Dylan was huge for me because, um, like I said, my sisters all sounded like Disney princesses and, you know, would write these like very like kind of, I mean, perfect songs. Like they would just write these great songs. And I always felt like I was writing these kind of like, it was like a thought process kind of, and like my voice didn't sound that pretty necessarily, but like I felt it. And I just, I didn't know that there was a space for that. Like I thought that everything had to be like a perfectly packaged thing. And so I think listening to Bob Dylan made me go, Oh, this is so good. And it's not, it's not perfect. And it's kind of, that's what makes it beautiful. And because you know exactly where he's coming from, you feel like you're, you know, he's such a great storyteller and it doesn't matter that he's not like, doesn't have this, like, you know, all I can think of is boleros, which is like, you know, the Spanish singers that they like sing these, like, you know, almost operatic love songs. Like he, he didn't need to sound like that. He needed to sound exactly like him. And that's what, that's what he's supposed to sound like, you know? And so that was a big turning point for me to kind of you know I, I think it was a big turning point in self-acceptance I think for me and uh and opening up of of what I was capable of and and allowing me to kind of be myself um a, a record that we kind of go back to all the time at home that's playing all the time is a guy named Chili Gonzalez who's a piano player and he has a record called Solo Piano 2 he's got a bunch of amazing amazing records but he has one called Solo Piano 2 and it's one of the one of the records that you know we play we've been playing for you know years and um, it just be, it, there's no there's no lyrics. It's just piano. It's just him. I mean, it's called solo piano, so it's just him. Um, but it's kind of one of the one of the records that always um, ushers me into a creative state. I think it makes me appreciate the moments that I'm in in a way that like actually lets me like soak in something to give back to somebody else. If that makes sense, like. When you're on when you're on tour all the time it's you know i see it as we see touring and, and performing as an act of service you know we want it to be something where where it's it's not just us you know trying to get praise and for people to think we're cool like we want it to be where we're giving something and so th that that record's one that we 
steadily play because it feels like it gives to us and it allows us to open up ourselves to be to be like given to I guess um, and I feel like if you listen to it you'll know what I mean if, especially there's a track on it called Keniston it's the second track on it and that song just makes me like appreciate life and appreciate what I have and open my eyes which I love about it um, and then let me think Joni Mitchell, Tracy Chapman. I mean, there were so many people coming up, Otis Redding, that I just loved. I mean, I love Adele now. We love uh, Will Reagan has a great worship record now that we listen to. Like all, I'm like you, where I listen to one record on repeat for like ever, and then I'll kind of like slowly move on. But uh, Will Reagan's new record is the the newest thing that we've been listening to at home. Sedano. Stay tuned. A very special feedback is up next. You're listening to Phases. The song is I'm in love with my life. It's a... Uh, it's Chandler's song from his twenties, but <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so last time he can no play longer it, relevant to him. No yeah. longer relevant. Not relevant. <laughs> yeah. Not well, well uh, last week, uh, yeah, it's time for your feedback. But uh, before we do that, each week we give a, a moment for corrections and apologies. Now I have I have a correction from last week. I said in passing that the uh, women's soccer player who famously ripped her shirt off in celebration was uh, somebody. It was Brandy Chastain. I, I heard from a lot of soccer fans that I said it incorrect. There you go. That's the correct person. <laughs> also, I got a text. Um, as you know, last week, our guest uh, was Hillsong United. They have their new album, Wonder, had released that day, and it was uh, they were our guests on the show. And so because of that, you know, for quality control, uh, some members of the Hillsong team checked in on the show. Uh, their manager, Luke Webb, uh, in particular, listened. And the next day, I got a text from Luke, and he said, uh, good podcast, bro. I only have one gripe. And I thought, oh, hmm. no, what did Chandler do? I, I mean, <laughs> What did he do this time? Oh, no. And... Trying to defuse it, I said, ha, 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 what's that? <laughs> and then he goes, you forgot the wonder years. And I was like, okay, good. Uh, okay, so apparently, remember, <laughs> late in the, uh, or in, in, in the show, we got just talking randomly about 80s and 90s TV shows. And uh, we just were riffing off top of head stuff of, you know, shows we love growing up. And, and then we were talking about some, Ill, some of the uh, logical gaps some of them had, um, you know, like Aunt Viv switched out and Fresh Prince, stuff like that. We were just talking about old TV. And, and uh, Webby um, is apparently, you know, uh, uh, what, what's the word? Aficionado? Is that the, is that the word? A connoisseur? Aficionado. Aficionado yeah. of vintage television. Uh, the ensuing text conversation blew me away with his knowledge of 80s and 90s television. I said, you've got to come on the show. So for our corrections and apologies segment this week, we are welcoming to the show uh, Hillsong United's manager, Luke Webb. Hey, man. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. So, uh, tell us where you're at right now, because uh, this week you guys had a pretty pretty big week with release week. You're doing a lot of media and stuff like that, right? Aren't you doing the Today Show right now? Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. The uh, bad guy's not from calling from Australia, so we've got telephones worked out over there now. But <laughs> I am in the country, in the good old USA. We are in the Big Apple right now, and we may or may not be doing a nice TV show right now. Nice. I can't tell you anything, but it starts with Jay and Amy Fallon. But don't tell anyone. No, never, never heard of him. Um, never heard of him. Nobody got yeah, yeah, yeah. here in the states. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so just cruising around and doing a few promo things and interviews and things like that. And uh, yeah, when I heard last week, I thought, guys, that's the perfect segue into the Wonder album. You talking about the Wonder Years? I was like, ah, oh, how do I miss that? <laughs> that's it. So yeah, he he his his text his text to me started with hashtag Winnie Cooper and it just went on from there. Yeah, so totally. he started to list all the shows that we neglected that were incredible shows from our childhood. I'm going to read a few of them. Growing Pains. I can't believe we missed Growing Pains. Yeah, right. No, I think you, no, I think you guys mentioned that because you're talking about uh, DiCaprio Luke, but yeah, he was on. Oh, uh, that's not, right. That was on my oh, list, yeah. but you, got, you did get that one. Uh, who's the Boss? I mean, who's the boss? Yeah. Like, Tony Danza. I, I mean, I watched that one religiously. I mean, listen, I'm a fan yeah. of anything Tony Danza does. <laughs> I mean, it's just a rule I live by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, family Ties. I think we mentioned Family Ties because Michael Keaton was iconic character. It was a, That was a good show, Family Ties. Uh, the Wonder Years, clearly. That was the one that, I mean, I I, yeah. I built my week around. I can't believe we didn't mention that one. Yeah. Um, Perfect Strangers. Mm. Cousin, Cousin Balky. That was great. Yeah, Alf. I think you mentioned that one too. Yeah, uh, I was just rehashing all my favorite ones there. Alf, uh, Alf, like I, 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 oh. I famously found Alf on a streaming service a couple years ago and uh, decided to binge watch a couple of seasons. It does not hold up. Um, but Alf, <laughs> Alf is a terrible, terrible show. But as a six-year-old, I didn't realize that. Um, <laughs> Happy Days, Happy Days. I didn't really watch Happy Days as much. Um, it was, you know, but Happy Days. I was big in the eighties. Uh, Married with Children. I was not allowed to watch. Did you watch Married with Children? Yeah, yeah, that was a controversial, but uh, you know, it was only PG in, in Australia, so we're allowed PG. to watch it. Uh, <laughs> why, why weren't you allowed to watch it? Me? Yeah, I, I wasn't allowed to watch Married with Children or The Simpsons, the Simpsons. which Simpsons. came on right yeah, after. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons either. Yeah, yeah, no. I, uh, okay, I got I got a question for Luke because obviously you you are a big fan of this genre of 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 TV. So two questions for you. Yeah. One. Which one is like if you were to binge watch like the series now? Which one would it be? And two, who was? Yeah. And I, th- I think you're allowed to say this. Who was your crush from that era? That when you yeah. watched it, you, it was like that's yeah. that's that was your you know your TV crush at the time. Well, that's what. Yeah, I mentioned the Cam and the hashtag Winnie Cooper kind of says it all. Like you know, that's the two words that describes my childhood pretty much right there. But <laughs> that first episode, the kiss between Fred Savage. Danica, the first kiss, which is funnily enough, was actually their first kiss in real life, those two actors. So he's 11 and she's 13, and they've got to do their first kiss, which is the first kiss in the show, which sets up the whole series, basically. But uh, yeah, it was a, that, was, that was a crazy show for me, that one. And, and probably Who's the Boss as well? Lisa Mono. Uh, that's a lot well, of, that's what I was say. I, I, yeah. I, I couldn't stand Tony Danza. I didn't like the grandma. Yeah. I, I thought everybody's Mona. annoying, Mona. but I plowed through for the Alyssa Milano scenes. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he continuing his list, uh, Charles in Charge, he put on his list. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Char- Charles in oh, Charge sure. was the concept that there was this good-looking 20-something guy who lived with the family to watch the children. Yeah, Scott Bayer. Scott Bayer was like the nanny, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, after the kids. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, who put, but who put Charles in charge? I'm not familiar. I'm <laughs> sure that was, the, here's the other thing about was it kind of that era. Was they it basically a, set up yeah, the they, entire show in the theme song. Like the theme song would be like, so Charles Ons died two years ago, then Charles moved to town and he's in charge now. Like you could just get caught up. But how, who put Charles in charge? <laughs> yeah, as so there, a there's a lot of things that wouldn't hold up now. You know, you couldn't get away with that now, like just having some random guy look after your kids. So you kind of, you know, in yeah. the 80s, it was still okay. Uh, punk, yeah, the other thing about the TV shows growing up, uh, all the way went back all the way to the Brady Bunch. Uh, who can afford these live-in helpers? I mean, like uh, you don't hear about that at all anymore. That yeah, people like when was it appropriate? Like I feel like it's not even that appropriate anymore to have like Alice the maid who dresses like a maid every day, just live in the house and do work yeah. for you. That seems weird. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he continue his list. Uh, Punky Brewster. I loved some Punky Brewster. That was an early, early 80s, mid 80s show. Uh, she was cool. Oh, yeah. She yeah. had like ripped jeans and she kind of ran the streets. She was cool. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Fat Albert. No, Fat Albert. Are you talking about the cartoon? Uh, yeah. The one done by Bill Cosby. I, I don't think we're allowed to talk about that anymore. Was that a bit, li- <laughs> bit lighter? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, that was that was 80s. Uh, Saved by the Bell. Uh, clearly. I mean, that was yeah. iconic for yeah, a, a generation. Uh, yeah. Um, Fresh Prince, uh, obviously. Uh, the Cosby Show, obviously. That was my favorite show growing up. Was the Cosby Show? Yeah. Uh, the Hogan uh, Family uh, with the with Sandy Duncan, who had a glass eye. Was that a plot point or is that just trivia? No, she, the actress, <laughs> Sandy Duncan, had a glass eye. So there's a family and the mom has a glass eye. That's what you need to know. Now, the Hogan family was an offshoot of another show that didn't do as well. And then they offshot the, the, the I don't know, the characters into the Hogan family. And the Hogan family lived on for years. So I feel bad for the original show. I don't remember which one it was. But yeah, I remember being as a kid knowing that the actress Sandy Duncan had a glass eye and I would watch for it every show. And you could see it in certain close-ups that it wasn't quite tracking with the other one. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, like the pitch for the sitcom is, so there's this family, they're the Hogans, but wait for it. The mother has a glass eye. No, 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 the the dad's a a pilot, so he's coming and going a lot, so it's really about the mom ruling the roost, and uh, she's got a glass eye. So, um, uh, Magnum, are you talking about Magnum PI? Magnum PI with uh, Tom Selleck? Magnum PI, yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch that. That was a little adult for for me at at that era, because he unbuttoned his shirt and had chest hair. And I remember that was a yeah, little. You, my I parents would watch it. To watch that one. Yeah, my parents would watch it. Uh, Twenty One Jump <laughs> yeah. Street with Johnny Depp. Twenty One oh, Jump Street, so cool. Come on, that was another one I, oh, I didn't oh, watch. Man. Yeah, uh, let's see. And then he says, "Here's another text." He says, "Think about the careers these shows launched: Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp, Will Smith, Jason Bateman, Michael J. Fox, Fred Savage, Lou Diamond Phillips." I think that one's not on the same caliber as the other ones. Uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom yeah, Selleck. Some of them. It's a little bit thin now. You, you lift off those four, and then it gets a little bit thin. Yeah, but they, uh, yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah, uh, Alyssa yeah, Milano, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, the Olsen twins. <laughs> Ed O'Neill, Christine Applegate, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, that's an amazing list. Isn't of, it uh, weird? Isn't it weird to think about now that Kirk Cameron and Leonardo DiCaprio used to regularly share screen time together? Yeah, in the dressing room. Yeah, totally. Could you, could you imagine Kirk Cameron being the lead in, in Rev or The Great Gatsby or something like that? You know. If if the Revenant uh, contained a fight scene where Leonardo DiCaprio fought <laughs> Kirk Cameron to the death, yeah. I'll say this: it would it would have made so much more money. But you know, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, Kirk Cameron was the best. 
Gilgamer <laughs> was the bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think th- the other thing with the Wonder Year that was crazy talking about talking about launching careers, like some of the stars that have been on the Wonder Years as guest guest actors: Juliette Lewis, David Schwimmer, Alyssa Silverstone, Mark Paul Gosler, Giovanna Ribisi, Jim Caviezel, John Corbett. What? Green, Dustin Diamond, then went on to Say by the Bell, Robin Thicke and Eric Dane, like the list of those guys that went on to be stars as well, all from the Wonder Years. Do you remember Do you remember the rumor that uh, his best friend Paul became Marilyn Manson? Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like the biggest internet rumor when internet was was invented. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were all doing dial up internet and it took us a few minutes to log on, but we were in the message rooms in the chat rooms talking about how did you know that Paul became Marilyn Manson? <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Actually, a lawyer went to Yale and became a lawyer. That's so, right. That's right. Mar- oh, wow. Marilyn Manson. I mean, I mean, Paul. Uh, Not Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was, uh, I was very impressed with your vintage TV knowledge. I, it was, it was more fun reminiscing via your text than it was reminiscing on the show. So, I, I was, I wanted to have you on. Yeah, no worries, man. Regale everybody with your impressive knowledge of that is of old, very impressive, yeah. man. So now, if you ever attend a Hill song united concert like in an arena or something uh look look for luke mm-hmm. he's usually the one on the side of the stage or he's in the sound booth just ask for him and uh, i'm sure he'll want to chat you up about old tv i'm sure that he's gonna love being known <laughs> yeah, as this funny. guy now so hey how, how when you were a kid how bad did you want that new york jets like bomber jacket that uh he wore on the show oh <laughs> fred savage yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like the uh the uh the Cubs hat that Chevy Chase wore in National Lampoons. It's an iconic piece of clothing. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, did yeah, you guys totally. did you guys in Australia know what that stuff was? Or did you just think it was a sea hat? Yeah, no. Nah. I was more a basketball fan, so yeah, I didn't yeah, really know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. green. Yeah. All right. Well dude, thanks for coming on. Uh cool. congrats on, on the big launch this week. You guys hit Yeah, you know, man. Thanks, guys. All the the charts and it's awesome. Tell tell the tell the crew hi for us. And uh, yeah, yeah we'll for- do. Give me give me a call when we're discussing eighties movies. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, <laughs> oh dude, we need to do an eighties movies episode for yeah. sure. <laughs> Goonies and all that. Absolutely. All right, guys. All right, talk to you later. Thanks for. All right, see you, man. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Um, okay, we're moving the show along. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, I mean, this is a clear cut one. I mean, earlier in the show, we got talking about scoff laws. People who kind of find themselves drawn outside the lines of the law a little bit from time to time (laughs) and how we need to get these people back on the straight and narrow. And we talked about creative justice. Um, (laughs) So what we want to know, the question week this week is we want to know your creative justice punishments for various inf- law infractions. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and remember, the goal is rehabilitation and ultimately a deterrent. deterrent. This is a <laughs> true deterrent. Um, no physical harm. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it yeah. on the emotional turmoil. Yeah, we're not. We're trying to trying to like physically torture people. Here. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, trying yeah. No to teach them a life lesson, right. a very tough one. Yeah. So hit us up. Now, I have a quick question. Yeah, I have a quick question about this. Does the punishment have to fit the crime in some measure? Oh. Like, is there? Are we talking a creative riff on the crime committed in now, the justice and I portion? Think, I think it's just a deterrent. I think I, whatever I, you think would most okay. effectively deter them. Yeah, it's like I don't want to do okay. that again if that is the punishment you know what i mean it's like yeah, specifically associated to that that crime um okay so hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevant post your more elaborate responses there or you can tweet us at relevant podcast so tell us the crime and the creative justice deterrent that should be the punishment for said crime 
Well, many thanks to our show's sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember, with Squarespace, you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, enter offer code RELEVANT, unlike I did this week, and get 10% (laughs) off your first purchase. Also, thanks to ZipRecruiter. Right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Relevant. Many thanks to David Crowder for joining us. You can check out his current album, American Prodigal. It's out now. It's swamp music. It's great. Also, thanks to Amanda Sudano for joining Shauna on the Shauna Nyquist podcast this week. Make sure to tune in to hear the full conversation. Uh, And also, uh, check out uh, her group, Johnny Swim. You can follow them on Twitter at Johnny Swim. They're great. Hey, while you're online, uh, head over to relevantmagazine.com this week and check out all the stuff that's going on. There's a ton of content every day. You can find out all about the Relevant Podcast Network shows that are out now and coming soon. We have some in the pipeline that are exciting. And um, and you can also subscribe to the magazine at relevantmagazine.com. There's a, a good deal going on right now. Check it out. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm actually going to be gone next week. I'm, uh, oh. I'm, I'm pulling an Eddie. I'm taking a wow. summer vacation, so uh, Jesse, don't mess it up hosting for me while I'm oh, It's already, it's already. I'll say this: it's going to be. be you can tell how relaxed it is because I got everyone new chairs for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Big surprise for those who decide to join us. Very chill. Very chill. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And they'll see you next week. Hey, happy birthday, Chandler! Hey, thanks. Because you had a bad one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. You said you don't know, you tell me don't lie. You work at a smile and you go for a ride. You have a bad day, the camera don't lie. You come back down and you really don't mind. You had a bad day. You had a Thank you for listening to the relevant podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. So there's a family and the mom has a glass eye. That's what you need to know.